And that experience made me realize one, I, as a dev, I didn't have enough empathy for product managers and that's on me. And two, product managers really want to learn. They want to become more technical. They want to be there for their dev team. Mm -hmm. That was my guest on today's episode, Irene Yu. Irene is a former developer and the founder of Skip Level, a consulting and training company focused on improving the interface between product managers and developers. You'll hear all about her path on this mission a little later on. This is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 133 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. I'm so happy you're tuning in. As always, you can find extensive notes, including all the links mentioned for Irene and Skip Level, in the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 133. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to quickly tell you about my newest endeavor, which is a weekly product manager meetup that I'm hosting online every Friday. It's at 8 a.m. Pacific time. We just had our fourth meeting, and it's going great. So far, we've done a couple of mastermind sessions, a product management lean coffee, and this last week's call was more of a roundtable discussion about agile in the enterprise and what can be done about it, product-led growth and how it applies and can apply for B2B products and internal infrastructure products, how much discovery is enough, and how to balance discovery with the rest of the product manager responsibilities. The meetup is free and it happens every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time. If you'd like to join us, go to secretsofpm.com slash meetup to sign up for the notification list. I hope to see you there. Now, getting back to the interview, I came across Irene via her writing on Twitter and LinkedIn, and I started out asking her about a specific quote I found intriguing. Irene, we met based on a Twitter conversation where you were talking about user stories and I shared an article that I'd written about this thing that I call a feature specification. And then I noticed you have another LinkedIn article and I just want to read one thing and, and we'll start the conversation from there and then get into how you came to the position you'd have about user stories and working with product managers, which I think is fascinating. But it started out with this quote that you wrote, in my experience as a dev working with product managers, Product managers tend to overly focus on what is the customer perspective when writing user stories. Hmm. And as a product manager, of course, I think, oh, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But right. you have a different opinion about that. And I'd love to talk to you about what you mean by that. Yeah. I wrote this article, this piece on what product managers are getting wrong about user stories. And one of the reasons I wrote it was from my personal experience coaching a product manager who was like, I don't, I don't know how to approach these user stories. Two, from my personal experience. And three, from the content that I read online a lot on Twitter. And generally the, the content is about, you know, it's all about the customer. We have to focus on the customer. And I totally agree. Like we should be building products and features that customers love. Absolutely. And product managers, their main focus is on the customer. Absolutely. But when it comes to building software, when it, when it comes to the product manager knows what the problem is, they know what the solution is. They, they kind of know how to solve this problem. Then we give it to the engineers in the form of user story, but now we really have to shift to building software. Right now it goes from the customer to building software and we have to bridge kind of that gap. So a lot of times I find that product managers, they, they don't make that switch. Hmm. They continue thinking about user stories from their perspective. 
And that's not working with the other team. So when you're writing these user stories, you have to think about, well, who am I writing them for? Mm -hmm. What is the point of me writing this user story? Who is it going to benefit? Who is it helping? And when you're writing these user stories, I mean, of course, there are other cross-functional teams that product managers have to work with, but I would say the really big one, right, is developers because developers ultimately have to build the product. Sure. Tell me a little bit of what, about what you feel is missing from the user stories that the product managers right. are writing from this perspective. Well, well, first, we have to talk about what is the difference in mindset between a product manager and an engineer. Like I said before, a product manager, they focus on the customer. They focus on what is the problem? What are we trying to solve? Kind of the high, high level strategies and ideas of what is the product that we can give to solve this problem for customers, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the product manager's thing. Engineers, for them, they spend all of their time thinking about how do we build this product, I'm not saying that engineers don't care about the customers. You know, they absolutely do. They obviously aren't going to want to build a product that they're like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't mm -hmm. solve a problem. But their main thing is to build the piece of software. So whatever you give them, it has to help them do their job, right? So if you're entirely focusing on the customer in a user story, that's like, great, but how does that help me do my job, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of product managers, in my experience, are like customer, 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 but they forget that part of the job of a product manager is to enable their teams to do their work. Mm -hmm. That is a core function of, of product managers. And that means you have to understand what it is that engineers actually look for and what they need in order to do their jobs. And so when you write user stories as a product manager's, you have to be able to maybe focus the customer in a way and write user stories in a way that's going to help the engineering team mm -hmm. do their job. That's is this what a, I think. Is this a, like there primarily should be more technical information in the story or more architectural information? Oh. What would be a good example of this? Yeah, that's a good question. So the short answer is no. You know, first of all, most product managers are not actually technical. So they're not even going to be able to write a user story based on architecture. That would even kind of annoy engineers anyway. They'd be like, why are you doing that? That's kind of my job. So for product managers, the way that you would write user stories that helps engineers is that you want to give the necessary details about what you envision this product or this solution to look like. Because the more details you can give, the engineers are able to say, oh, okay, there's a specific detail that I have to think through in order to complete this function or to make my product manager happy or to make the customer happy or to fulfill this user story. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense to me. You know, we, we do that certainly in one way by saying, okay, here's a feature and here's a UX design for it and build it to that, right? right. But you're saying something beyond that as well. I mean, I can think of things like we need a place for somebody to type a social security number right? and it should recognize a social security number and reject non-social security numbers or something. Right. Is that the type of thing that you're, that yeah. you're thinking? Yeah, kind of. It kind of goes back to how broad and how specific should user stories be. Mm -hmm. And this is also something that I kind of talked about and, you know, wrote a blog post about, but 
when it comes to brainstorming, so before we actually have the solution fully fledged out, you want to be a little bit more broad. And here you want to focus a little bit more on the customer. Like what is the customer? The customer mm -hmm. wants to be able to, you know, let's say you're creating the software for an iPhone and you want to create software where as a customer, you want to be able to lock your phone, right? So no one else can go into your phone. So that broader user story would be like, as a customer, I want to lock my phone when I'm not using it so that I can prevent unauthorized access to my phone. So great. We kind of know what the solution is. Yeah. But once we know that solution, we really have to get down into like the detail, right? Because there's so many ways to lock a phone. Yeah. So for an engineer, it's like, okay, if I look at that broad user story, like, I don't really know what you mean. I, I know we need, need to lock the phone, but in what way do you want me to lock the phone? Right. So let's say a more specific user story that's a lot more helpful for engineers would be as customer, I want to enter a preset four letter pin code every time I want to use my phone so that I can access my locked phone. So now they're like, oh, okay. So the way that we need to, you know, think about creating this feature is we need to have a four letter pin code. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you want to say, you know, as a product manager, you want to say, I, I want the customer to be able to unlock it with their face. Right. So right. now, so now those are two very different solutions that are much more specific. And the way that you would build that is totally different. And those are the sorts of details that engineers need in order to know what's expected to, uh, of them and to know what they actually need to build. Right. So for an actual implementation, I certainly understand that if, if it's going to be, your phone is going to be locked with a pin code, then somebody needs to build the capability of unlocking with the pin, saving the pin code, right. unlocking with right. the pin code. What I'm curious about is the discussion that goes before that, which is okay. From the first thing you mentioned, I need to lock my phone and have it inaccessible. Then there's a big conversation to me, yeah. with everybody, particularly with the technical oh. people. What are, what are my technical, what are my options here? And the technical people can say, well, you could do it with the face. That's super yeah. hard. You could do it with a pin code. That's super easy. You could do it with a fingerprint that's sort of in the middle. And then if you're Steve Jobs, you say all three, please. Okay. And then you come to an agreement on what that is. And then mm -hmm. the user story essentially is the instantiation of that agreement. In exactly. some sense. Does right. that make sense? Okay. Yeah. We want, when we write user stories, we want them first to be broad because that's mm -hmm. what's going to help teams brainstorm right you know it's going to help the product manager exactly. you know, ux ui dev teams come together to say okay we know what the problem is we kind of know what the broad solution is what are our options absolutely and then once you have kind of a clearer idea then you want to break those user stories down to be much more specific yeah so i always think of the user story as or whatever it is because i i'm not a big fan of user stories as mm. listeners to my podcast know but that the point is that whatever you provide, yeah, it's meant to be the beginning of a conversation. Absolutely. And a discussion. Yeah. And I always think what I want to avoid doing as a product manager is put solutions into mm -hmm. the story, unless I'm just writing down the solution that I've agreed to with the team, right? Mm. Which is, which is okay. Even then I'd probably rather not do that, but that's, that's just me though, because I, I want to stay, I tend to like to stay above the details. And look at the big picture. So this is really interesting insights. And I know it comes out of your background of working with product managers yeah, as, a, as dev. a dev and, and, you know, thinking about that a lot. And then of course your new 
initiative, which is the skip level, which we want to talk about. So maybe we, we can back up a little bit. You can just quickly go over your history and how yeah. you came to this place where you have found that this interface between product managers and devs needs to be improved. It's been a long journey. You know, when I look back on it, I've been a developer. I've been in the tech industry for maybe close to a decade. I would say maybe eight or nine years. That and doesn't I've, include, does that include the starting coding when you were 10 years old, as I heard about? On oh, it doesn't actually. Yeah. I mean, if, if we really go back to when I first started engaging in web development and I first started writing code, that would be when I was 10. Yeah. But in terms of working more professionally in the industry, you know, getting, getting paid for it, it's been about eight or nine years. I started out as a web development person who wrote mostly front end code. And I eventually became a full stack software engineer. And so I've worked at a lot of different companies in a lot of different industries, mid-size startups, large multinational companies like Amazon and a lot of ad agencies. And so I've had a lot of exposure to product managers. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I've always kind of noticed with product managers is that most of them don't come from a technical background. A lot of them come from a background that's like journalism. <laughs> sociology, right? I even have one case where the product manager was the office manager at oh, wow. this you know, startup and she moved into product management, which is, you know, awesome for her. But the point is a lot of them don't have a technical background. And so as a dev, I, it's very common for me to be very frustrated when I have conversations with them. It's like, you're not understanding what I'm trying to say. You're not understanding what difficulties I am having. And it feels like I have to almost remove this product manager from the equation, which is not great. I, right, right. I don't suggest that at all. Not desirable. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Um, but it's actually quite common with like dev teams where they're even with the manager, like, okay, we just need to remove this person because they're not, you know, helping things. And when I was at Amazon, I was working on the display advertising team. And what we did was we did custom campaigns for advertisers to advertise on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And so as a dev, I would be working on three campaigns at a time and each campaign had their own product manager. And so I worked with a lot of product managers, was in a lot of engineering product management meetings. And there was one time after a engineering product management meeting that a product manager came to me and said, I'm having a lot of trouble understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand what's being said. And I feel like I can't really ask the questions that I want to ask because I don't want to come off, you know, stupid, which is, it's, it's a very vulnerable thing to be able to admit that. So, sure. you know, kudos to her. Here's the thing, you know, every engineer if you give them the opportunity to talk about what they're building and tech, like they're going to take it. They love it. You know, they love, they kind of love sounding smart. So, so that, but also because I wanted to help her, it kind of sucks mm -hmm. to see her suffering in these meetings. Cause you know, some of the stuff she would ask is like, yeah, it shows that she has lacking a basic understanding of how software works. What I did was I eventually started tech mentoring her or mm -hmm. what I call tech mentoring and tech mentoring is cross-functional tech mentorship. You could kind of think of it like, most mentorship, you're mentoring with someone who's a more senior level in your role. Mm -hmm. Cross-functional mentorship is you are learning about another function, like, you know, dev, UX, design, marketing, et cetera. 
And so we were holding these meetings every two weeks. And through those meetings, I started really understanding the stuff that she didn't know. Things that I thought as a dev is so common knowledge to me, I realized was not common knowledge to her. And it started making me feel more empathy Mm -hmm. and realizing like, okay, devs have this opportunity every day to learn about technology and understand technology, but product managers don't have that. So I started tech mentoring her every two weeks and on an as needed basis. So I would work with her a lot when she would start thinking about a new problem and Mm -hmm. a new solution to that problem. And I would sit with her and I would talk her through technical feasibility of her different ideas. And I think I did it for about four to five months and the change in her was actually quite incredible. One, she felt a lot more confidence and you can tell. Mm-hmm. And two, she was asking a lot better questions during engineering meetings. She was asking more well-informed questions, which is what I define as what is the right question to ask mm-hmm. at engineering mm-hmm. meetings, right? There are no stupid questions, but there are questions that are ill-informed. <laughs> so that change in her was really different. And that experience made me realize, one, I, as a dev, I didn't have enough empathy for product managers, and that's on me. And two, product managers really want to learn. They want to become more technical. They want to be there for their dev team. Mm-hmm. They want their dev teams to be happy. <laughs> you know, They want their product to go out faster. They didn't know where to go in order to do that. And so that's when I came up with the Skip Level program. And that kind of takes my experience as a dev my technical skills and my knowledge, my experience tech mentoring product managers and then coaching product managers on the side. And, you know, having this program that teaches product managers what they need to know and what they don't need to know. Because there's a lot of technology that devs might need to know. Product managers really should not be spending their time on. Right. Programming. Yeah. Like, you know, the ins and outs of coding and how the Python language works, that's not going to serve you at all. But so that's kind of the story of how I, I ended up founding Skip Level. That's, that's fantastic. And so I love that as a dev, you realize that, oh, my PM colleagues, they need some, some help in this area and I'm going to create this thing that will help them. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. We've talked about the technical knowledge. Are there other aspects of working with engineers that product managers should know and often don't besides this technical stuff? Yeah, I think one of the big things that product managers should know, and it's more of kind of a a mindset skill, Mm -hmm. is understanding that first engineers want to do a good job and they want to make their product managers and their stakeholders happy. Because often I, I hear this gripe from product managers. They're like, yeah, my engineers have a bad attitude. They don't really want to do anything, you know. But product managers need to remember that first, building software is hard. It's really hard. Building reliable, resilient software, it is, it's just hard. And building mm-hmm. good software is hard. And maintaining software is hard. You know, you have to remember who's actually doing all this crap. It's the engineers. Mm-hmm. And... And sometimes for engineers, it can be so difficult. And a lot of the time, the frustration comes from an ever-increasing backlog, Mm -hmm. ever-increasing asks from them. Other times they're frustrated because they feel like they're not getting what they need in order to do their job. Mm -hmm. So one of the big things I tell product managers is one, you have to shift your mindset. Okay. You have to shift your mindset from telling engineers what to do and what you want from them to being like, what can I do to enable you to do your best work? 
How can I help? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I say this because this is actually something that one of my favorite product managers when I worked at Amazon said to me. He said, what can I do right now that will make your job easier? What can I take off your plate right now that will make it easier? And I remember when he said that, it was like an out-of-body experience. I was like, oh my gosh, no one's ever said that to me. And my reaction at work has always been one of frustration. Like, oh gosh, something else I have to do. This is so hard. And like someone else wants more and they're like not giving me what I need. And these mocks are terrible. And for product managers to say like, what can I do to make you feel better? What can I Mm -hmm. do to make your job easier? It was such, it was, it's such a simple switch, but it means so, so, so much. And this is really a mindset that most product managers don't have. Mm. So remembering that, Engineers are the ones in the trenches every day, building the software and maintaining the software and how it's really not easy and having the mindset of how can I help you? How can I enable you to do your best work? And therefore that would actually, you know, be good for me as a product manager. I get better results in that case. Totally much better results and faster and -hmm. better influence and a better working relationship, right? That I think is really important for product managers to know when they work with engineers. I love that. What can I do right now that will make your job easier? So it's such an easy question. Such an easy question. And maybe there's something I can do that I didn't know about. It's fantastic. I love Mm -hmm. it. We've talked about what product managers should, some of the things they should know about working with engineers. I don't know if you have additional things to fill in there. I always like to flip it around. What do engineers know that if we product managers asked, it would help us out? I mean, we picture that that flow of information going from product manager to d- the engineering team. And I'm just wondering, are there things that the engineering team knows about that we should be asking for that we're not, that we're just not? One of the things that I always think about, and I, I think about this with all the different disciplines that we work with, sales and marketing mm-hmm. and everybody, is that we have information that we are often aren't giving to them that they need from us, right? In particular sales and marketing, we do a terrible job in that from product management. Hmm. And obviously we just talked about how we could make that process better for developers, right? How we could communicate better with them on that. But I also think that all of those organizations have information that if we had it, it would be valuable to us. Like for example, sales knows about sales objections that are coming in and it can be hard to get them to tell us, but they have that information. And if we went and asked, we might be able to get it. And I often think that that's probably true of developers, that they know things about what's going on. Oh, I see. Sometimes it requires a mind shift on everybody's part, but it's like, oh, you asked me for X and Y, but I could actually give you A and B that would be a way better solution than X and Y for this problem. I feel like there's often some knowledge about how, like, based on how the system works and how everything puts together, that where the thing that I'm asking for is actually the wrong thing. And the devs could give me a better solution to that. Well, I think because developers, they are in the trenches all the time and they're building software, they usually have a better understanding of what is a more efficient solution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, something that is faster to build easier to build and more maintainable and would still solve the the problem that we're trying to solve for customers. Yeah. And a lot of it, well, first of all, one, it comes from experience. Not every developer is going to have 
that sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you have like junior engineers, probably not. Some engineers are also, they just want to build the cool thing. <laughs> if, I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm honest, like some engineers, you know, care less about the solution to the product and efficiency. And they care more about like using the newest framework. Mm-hmm. But in general, the more experience you have building software, the more you are able to know what are the available solutions, technologies in Mm -hmm. software that we can use to solve different problems and kind of know how long certain things take and therefore have a better sense of what's a better way to build a product. So that's one that just comes from experience. Two, it comes from having a certain level of technical understanding. Mm -hmm. And three, it comes from understanding the process in which software is built, also known as a software development life cycle. Sure. And all of these three things are skills that product managers should be working on. We kind of touched on needing to know how to code, but product managers don't actually need to know how to code, right? Right. The skill that product managers need to be able to do is ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. And what product managers should do is they should be focusing on breadth before depth. So what that means is there's a lot of verticals in software. Software is very vast, but kind of having a, at least a fundamental knowledge of how technology works within all of these core topics is going to go a really long way. So for example, understanding the application layer, mm-hmm. understanding the client side and the server side, AKA front end and back end, understanding what APIs are understanding sure. components, understanding what programming languages are, compiling and building, uh, cloud computing, what is scaling, what is auto-scaling, what is architecture, microservices and monoliths. That's a, that's a really big topic. Mm-hmm. Data structures, databases, database schemas. How do we deploy software? How do we right. ship software? Which is just like hundreds of thousands of books just written on that one topic. <laughs> right? So having a fundamental knowledge across these core topics, which will then kind of give you a sense of what are the available technologies that engineers can use, mix and match in order to solve different problems. That's going to go a really long way. And then three, like I mentioned, understanding how software is built. What is the process Mm -hmm. of building software? What is the correct process of building software? That's going to go a really long way in helping you be able to do timeline. You know, every time you have a feature and we have to build it, it's like, well, what goes into, you know, building this thing? It's not just coding it. You it's know? not just writing the code, right? No, it's not. Yeah, it's not just writing the code. You have to test it. And there's so many different types of tests. We have unit tests. We have load tests, which isn't even about the coding. It's about the, the entire system, about the infrastructure, right? We have integration tests. We have regression testing, acceptance testing, so many different tests. How technical you are as a product manager, your ability to have a better sense of what is a more feasible or more efficient or more effective way mm-hmm. to build a technical solution to a customer problem is going to kind of come from these three skills right and how or far even, you are even knowing what questions to ask oh totally about the options right yeah yeah exactly and that's you know that's the other thing and this is what i tell all of my students who come into the skip level program like a, a lot of courses, they teach technical information for the sake of teaching technical information, but mm-hmm. it's like memorizing technical information. But the truth is most developers can't even, they can't even tell you the difference between a framework and a library. Such a small technical detail, it doesn't really matter. It's like saying sure. a tomato is a fruit. Yeah. I mean, technically it is, but <laughs> everyone uses it like, you know, like not a fruit. Yeah, it's sure. like being able to say, should we do this in the front end or the back end? Or should we 
is this an application level function yeah. or should we just make the UI know how to validate this value? I mean, right. and those are the types of things where I don't know the answer, but I want them, I, what I want is the devs to think, oh, here's the trade-offs of that. And I want them to tell me, right? Right. Yeah. And then you being able X to process, process that say, information and then being able to ask follow-up questions yeah. because for developers, it's they don't they don't memorize any technical information. Most of the time they're Googling. I mean, honestly, you know, right now, if I were to go back to working as a software software engineer at Amazon, I'm going to be Googling a lot of stuff. But the difference is I actually know what to Google. Right. I know right. what are the options out there. I just need to Google in order to get the specific details. So same for product manager. The skill you want to develop is being able to ask informed questions. Mm-hmm. And to have a high level understanding of what are the available technologies out there. No. Right. That kind of solve like generally certain problems. For example, sure, sure. you know, a CDN, we know that that helps make browsing and loading speeds faster, right? Just having that context and knowing that CDNs exist goes right. a really long right. way. Yeah. And I also think that also this technical knowledge is very helpful to know whether you're getting really the right answers from the devs. For example, yeah. devs, totally. lo- devs love to optimize stuff. Yeah. But, but you have to have enough technical knowledge to know is this a thing that is actually worth optimizing or not? Absolutely. And devs are not necessarily good at making that decision because they just want to optimize everything, right? Mm -hmm. But only 100 people are ever going to hit that function. I don't care how fast it is. (laughs) As long as it happens within a a second or two, it's good. Oh, Mm -hmm. a million, 100 million people are going to hit that function every day? Oh, we should probably pay some attention to optimization. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Developers, they love working on new stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. They love the coolness of building technology, which they should. You know, that's cool. I want them to be yeah, in, in, yeah. motivated by that, right? Yeah, absolutely. But that's another reason why product managers shouldn't get too deep into the weeds. They have to be able to bring the engineers out of the deep weeds of technology <laughs> and wanting to do the cool stuff and saying, okay, but guys, you know, let's focus on the problem. What is the solution? And what is the fastest and easiest way to get there and build something that will satisfy these product requirements? And it's just easier for us to execute this, on. This, this is really good. So I, Irene, this is fantastic stuff. I really love all the stuff that you're sharing. If people want to learn more about this, because obviously this is what Skip Level does, and learn more about you. What what are some good ways for people to learn more? The best way to find me is through the Skip Level website. You can learn more about the Skip Level program. That's skiplevel.co. There's a lot of free technical resources on the website. I have infographics on the top tech terms that you should know. There's also a quiz to test your technical skills and knowledge. It's just four questions. It's super easy, but it's it's really great. And you can also find me on Twitter and find me on LinkedIn. My handle is I am Irene Yu. That's I-A-M-I-R-E-N-E-Y-U. And I'm happy to chat. So send me a DM. And that way you can talk to me about the program or about your career. I would absolutely love to chat. Fantastic. That's great. And I'll put all those links on the show notes so people will be able to find them. Well, Irene, again, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was delightful to have you here. Really love this thing you're doing between devs and PMs. I think it's great. 
Awesome. It's been really fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Nils. You've been listening to episode 133 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Irene Yu, and you should definitely check out Skip Level and take her quiz. It's grown to eight questions since we recorded the episode. I just noticed that today. You can find links to all the resources we mentioned in the show, including Irene's various contact locations, in the show notes at secretsofpm.com slash 133. If you found this episode valuable or insightful, please consider leaving a rating of the podcast on your favorite podcast supplier or even writing a review. And you can share the podcast with your colleagues and peers. It helps grow the show and keep it going. You can find and follow me on LinkedIn at Nils Davis. And of course, the podcast site is secretsofpm.com. And don't forget my new weekly meetup. If you'd like to get on the invitation list, go to secretsofpm.com meetup. And by the way, that form is not connected to an autoresponder yet, so you won't hear back from me immediately. It's also not related to my regular mailing list, so you won't get anything else from me because you signed up. I'll send out a notification to folks on that list on Thursdays with the info for the meeting on Friday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific time. I think that's all for today. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.